Good morning. It's summertime now. Yeah, and that has an upside and it has a downside. But, uh, yeah. Um, well, let's just go ahead and get right into it, shall we? Okay, stand with me and let's read from Philippians chapter 1. There we go. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit that brings life. Quicken us, quicken our hearts, quicken our ears. Wipe away the dullness and help us to be, help us to see through the, the fog. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Paul was unjustly in prison. Um, we see so much injustice in the world today. I mean, you know, you look around and, and it's not at all unusual. I mean, every week you see it. Uh, people in prison who are innocent and don't belong there. People out walking free who are guilty and should be in prison and, and things done that shouldn't be done. And um, it, it just, uh, the, wick, the wicked prosper. Uh, the, the the righteous are, are are ground. It seems at times, um, but this isn't new. I mean, this isn't something that just started happening uh, in, in this millennium. It isn't something that just started happening in this past uh, this past year. It's been going on ever since the fall. Uh, and in Paul's day, here he is. Uh, he's in prison, and he's in. In prison unjustly. Uh, this is how he got there. He went to Jerusalem and he was arrested in Jerusalem. And the reason he was arrested in Jerusalem was 
He was arrested in Jerusalem. He, he went and worshiped at the temple. So he was arrested for worshiping at the temple, which he had every right to do. He was a Jew. He was ceremonially clean. Uh, but, but he was arrested there. And in fact, the only thing that he did, and he says, this is, this is the only thing I can think of that, that really probably was a no-no. And, and it wasn't really something he was guilty of. He was just a little mischievous. It's when he went before uh, when he w- went before the Sanhedrin and realized that he had some Sadducees there and he had some Pharisees there, he shouted out, I'm on trial today because of my belief in the resurrection of the dead. And a mini riot broke out. Well, that wasn't his fault that those, that those people felt that way about things. And so he was arrested and they, try, they were going to try to kill him there and uh, to keep from from being put in a very dangerous situation. He appealed to Caesar, and now he's under house arrest in Rome. And ultimately, now that he's come to the attention of Rome, ultimately he's going to be killed. Not in this imprisonment, but but he'll be imprisoned again and killed. And yet, here's Paul's perspective. See, the point isn't what he was going through. The point is what was being accomplished. See, as long as you can see purpose... As long as, you, as long as you have meaning for what you're going through, then you can endure. You really can, as long as, as, long as that's there. Truth of the matter is, if you can't see purpose and meaning, even if, even if you're not going through deep stuff, it's hard to endure. It just gets to become eh, meh, you know. Oh, what day is this? This is meh day, you know, meh day. Uh, but Paul could see purpose he could see meaning and and it's always kind of puzzled me I say puzzle me I've all it's one of those things that I've always kind of found like huh he says because I'm in chains these other people have now been emboldened to preach the gospel so they could get in chains I, I mean you know that's that's kind of why I've kind of gone okay I'm not quite sure how that that works but you know he's he's seeing it and that's working for him and he says this incredible thing uh, let's see, is it time for me to do that? Yeah, he says, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way from false motives are true, Christ is preached, and because of this I rejoice. The gospel is such a powerful thing that when it is proclaimed, even for the wrong reasons by the wrong people, it still has the power to transform lives. You know, not everybody that stands up and proclaims the gospel is legit. Yeah, when you get right down to it. Not, not, every, not everybody is legit. And some, some are doing it for absolutely the wrong reasons. And yet, the gospel is still so powerful. It still has the power to set people free. It still has the power to transform lives. It still has the, 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 the power to, to fulfill the desire for eternity within the hearts of of fallen men and women, it's, it's an incredible thing. And it should be an encouragement to us because you don't have to make it happen. When I was, when I was growing up in a church, uh, you know, every, every Sunday was, was Salvation Sunday and every day should be Salvation Day, quite frankly, when you get right down to it. But, but, but virtually every, every sermon was, was pointed in that direction, you know, and, and I would just feel so bad because... You know, I mean, I could tell people about Jesus, but that gummit, they just wouldn't get saved for me. And, and I felt like I'm doing something wrong. And if I was doing anything wrong, it was that I was trying to make them get saved. I was trying to make it happen. 
You don't have to do that. You just, the, the gospel, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God to the salvation of everyone who believes. It's supreme over every philosophy. It's supreme over every creed. And all you got to do is put it out there. And Paul goes, you know, there's people out there who are, who are doing it out of selfish ambition. And there's probably people out there doing it for money. And there's probably people out there doing it trying to stir up trouble for me. But that's okay. It's being preached. And I rejoice about that. We get bent out of shape because someone preaches a doctrinal nuance we don't like. You know, they have the wrong ideas about baptism or the wrong ideas about communion or they got the wrong ideas about that. You know, Paul's going, just just put the gospel out. And I'm excited about it. And the thing is, he didn't, he didn't even see the real impact, the real powerful thing that was happening in his situation. I mean, he is the guy who wrote, in everything God is at work for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. But he's looking at, he's going, man, my imprisonment is is a good thing because these guys are out there preaching the gospel. And he didn't even know that almost 2,000 years later, people were going to be saying, let's look at the epistles Paul wrote from prison when he had time to sit down and write to people, when he couldn't actually go and see them, had to write letters to them. He had no idea what God was doing in the situation that was going on in his life that seemed so negative. You know, we, we have it too easy. Everybody here has it easy. I have it easy. We've, we've all got it easy. Paul was out on the edge. You, know, you ever been in prison? I mean, there's probably some people. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, okay? But there's probably some people here who have been. Uh, but even if you just visited one, man. Talk about oppressive. Talk about a difficult place to be. And to, and, and to be there for nothing that you did wrong. That's, that's got to be... Mm. And, but when you get out, but when you're looking at it from the perspective that Paul took, and you're out on the edge of things, then you find out what's important and what matters. And the rest of the stuff is just stuff. When things are so easy, everything seems to be important and matter. You know, I this last week I've been having to go to Nashville every evening. Twice, twice in one week, going into town against traffic. There have been wrecks on I-24, going on I-24 West. Do you know how aggravating that is? And, you know, and, and you just have to wait and let God go, would you rather be back here waiting, or would you like to be at the head of the line, the one that caused all this? Uh, okay. Yeah, I'll be back here waiting. That'll be fine. We have it so easy. But Paul was out on the edge. He knew what was important, what really mattered. I want to focus on two verses. Three things that really matter. And I, and I can't really read these two verses without thinking about um, uh, a song, a, a James Ward song from uh, long, long ago. Margaret said, don't tell them how long ago it was. Some of them weren't even born. You know, things happened before you were born. Some of them were actually good. Uh, 
But anyway, I just uh, I hope this sounds up. I, I want to. I just want to play a little bit of this song because it just touches my heart. Bring the lights down. For it is my deep desire. A little louder. And my hope is eagerly. Come on. That I not be put away to shame at all. But that with perfect boldness, just as I've been trying to do, so his honor, so his honor, so his honor may be seen in my body, so his honor may remain in my body. So his honor may be seen If I live or if I die I may even have to die So his honor may be seen in me For to me to live is Jesus Christ And to song is just always there's a simplicity and a power and a strength about it the song has just always embedded itself in my spirit you know and and basically what he did was he took these two verses i eagerly expect and hope that i will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage that now as always christ will be exalted will be honored in my body whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. There are many verses in Scripture that could be life verses and should be life verses. But if you get to the place or, or when you get to the place that this is, these are life verses, you've reached a whole nother level in walking with the Lord. Eagerly desire. Three things from this. The first thing is his honor. 
that he may be exalted in me. And here's what I think that we don't understand. But we have to. We must understand that there's a difference between his honor and my honor. Very often we get those two things confused. We, we, we get them mixed up and we, and we tend to think, well, you know, he, he's honored when I'm honored. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm his and so, you know, I, I, need to, I need to somehow seek or find honor and then, you know, I can give it to the Lord. And, and you know, and I, hey, it's great. I, I, I love hearing the testimonies. You know, man, I hit that home run for Jesus. Well, great. That's good. You know, scored that touchdown for Jesus. But I just don't recall Jesus ever hitting a home run. Scoring a touchdown, maybe metaphorically, but you know, not in reality. I can't see into people's hearts, and I don't know their motives, but that's where the reality lies. That that that's that's what really matters. That's what's important. And Jesus warned against, and I'm not just talking about sports things here. Jesus warned against doing righteous acts for our honor he warned against us doing things so that we would be so that we would be seen in fact he says over matthew 6 1 be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them he didn't say don't practice righteousness but he said don't practice it in front of others to be seen by them if you do you will have no reward from my father in heaven okay Hopefully, someday, my desire, and if you belong to the Lord, yours should be to someday hear, well done, good and faithful servant. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in a few minutes here. But Jesus says, if you're doing it for other people to see it, you won't get any of that. I'm not saying you won't be saved, and I'm not trying to get into the theology here. But I'm just saying, you know, I grew up in a... In a in a culture, and I'm talking about the church culture, I'm talking about a national culture, where we were taught, uh, we, we were taught this from the get-go, you know, to not try and, and be seeking our honor, our own glory. That's not the case anymore. But Jesus said, you know, when it comes to, when you give to the needy, when you pray, when you fast, don't do it for anybody to see. And, and I'm, and once again, it kind of gets, kind of gets a little, a little weird here because I know some people go that well. Then you shouldn't, you know, let anybody say you put your offering in or anything like that. I'm not saying get neurotic about it. I'm saying don't do it for others to see, so that they'll go, "Wow, that's a good. He's he's a good one, isn't he? She's she's good, isn't she? Yeah." And it's so easy. For, we want to, we like people to like us. I mean, really, I, I want people to think that I'm great. I don't know about you, but I, yeah, great preacher, great pastor, great singer, great dancer. Uh, people to think that. Oh, but that is such a trap. That is such a trap. Um, a lot of you know, most of you know that I do a, have done a lot of theater. And uh, when I got into that, first of all, I wasn't walking with the Lord. And 
Uh, and the real kick for me was to do a show and afterwards people to come up and go, wow, man, you were, you were fabulous. You were better than the movie. You know, that, that kind of stuff. And, uh, and if they did, I felt great. And if they didn't, I felt not great. And when I came to the Lord, something clicked. Something turned around. And it no longer had anything to do with anybody going, wow, you were, you were fabulous or you were wonderful or something like that. No, I, I felt this pleasure. So I didn't have to hear from anybody else anymore. And it is so freeing to, to, to do your acts of righteousness or the, use the talents or gifts that he's given to you for an audience of one. It's, it's such a wonderful way to live, to do that. There is, <clears throat> and, and let me just say this, it's no accident that he followed up this teaching immediately with teaching about not judging others. So I have no idea when people are doing it for God or when they're doing it for, to go, hey, look at me. I, I've just got to guard myself, my own heart in that situation. Uh, but here's the thing, you know, we... we we tend to want to look good or, 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 or um, we feel like we bring honor to God by uh, having honor in the world. There is nothing more shameful than being publicly executed for a capital crime. Nothing more shameful than that. And when we think about Christ on the cross, we, we tend to focus in on the, uh, on the pain. You know, I mean, I've, I've, Heard, heard too many sermons, you know, trying to biologically describe the, the agony that Christ went through. Christ went through agony. Okay, yeah. Uh, but we tend to overlook, we tend to ignore the shame. The shame that was involved. Yet, I mean, to be stripped naked in public, which he was. I mean, you know, there wasn't a loincloth there. They didn't go, hey, you know, he... Uh, He's a capital criminal, and we're going to throw his body in a, in a, in a mass grave here somewhere, and we really won't make an example of it, but you better cover that up there because they're going to be doing some painting later on, you know, of, of him. You know, things like, no, uh-uh. He was completely naked in public, spat upon, ridiculed. No, nobody coming along going, oh, you know, we're so, we're so sorry you're feeling this pain, but they go, ha, ha, he's in pain. The shame before the world taunted. And so he had no seeming honor in the eyes of the world. None whatsoever. And yet in the eyes of heaven, boy, was God ever glorified in his body. And so Paul says, I hope I'll have the courage. It's my eager desire that he be glorified in me. Not that I be glorified. And the way that that really happens is, is this. To live as Christ. What does that mean? What does that mean? How, how, do, you, how do you do that? Well, I, I think that it would fit... Uh, in with the concept of living a life worthy of the calling that you've received. 
Does that ring any bells with anybody? I mean, yeah. I mean, if you go back a few few weeks, maybe a month or two ago, uh, to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. And then verses 2 and 3 describe how you do that, what that calling is. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's describing Jesus. Right there. We, uh, <laughs> you know, when, when, I, when, I, when I think about Jesus on the cross, yes, of course. Yes, he was in agony. Yes, he was in pain. Yes, he was beaten. Yes, all of that. All of that happened in one day, though. I think the real struggle... You know, that that was terrible, but one day, the real struggle is 33 years of putting up with us. I mean, he had some real knuckleheads in his group that were following him, and yet humble, gentle, patient, bearing with us as a human race in love. This is how you bring honor to Christ. This is how he is glorified in us. And boy, it it is death to the flesh. It's murder to the flesh because our flesh doesn't want to do any of those things. Any of them. And it's only by the power of the Spirit that that flesh can be crucified, can be put to death. And these things can come out. These things can begin to happen. I mean, yeah, it's... And, and, you know, sometimes we try to parse things so that they come out to what we actually wanted them to say. Uh, and, and I've often wondered about how people think about bearing with one another in love. And I think there's a tendency to kind of go, one another. That means my brothers and my sisters and the Lord. And sometimes maybe that means all Christians to some people, but to others it's our group. Yeah. But at least it's just the brothers and sisters in the Lord. And I'm kind of going, you know, that sounds a little bit like the question, who is my neighbor? To go, who is this one another? I think it might be the human race. When you get right down to it. Bearing with one another in love. Of course, there are things to fight for. Of course, there are things that you have to stand up for. But we greatly underestimate the value of peace. Greatly underestimate the value of it. When we we left the assemblies of God, let me tell you the real reason. I I I probably have given the real reason for it and talked about this much. When we left the assemblies of God, um, that's my heritage. I mean, I grew up in the assemblies of God. My grandfather was ordained in the assemblies in 1924. Uh, my, my dad was ordained in the assemblies in, uh, in 46. I was ordained in, uh, 89, uh, in, in the assemblies. So, I mean, that, that's my heritage. Uh, but over the years, uh, as an institution, as an organization, some, some things were changing, some perspectives were changing, some, some things that I was really uncomfortable with. And after my dad passed away, I felt like, well, maybe we're supposed to be an agent of change. Maybe that's, 
you know, maybe that's why God has us here. And so, uh, in seeking the Lord and, uh, and, and trying to go about it in humility and patience and things like that, I began to step into those waters and see what could happen there. Um, and after about two years of that, it became clear that nothing was changing. I was just agitating. And the real release came when the Lord said, uh, you're not supposed to agitate. I, I I I, I'm not calling you to change. You, you've been trying to rationalize why you're here. I'm not calling you to change. You need to pursue peace. And so when we left, I went, you know, I, I'm not mad. And in fact, the truth of the matter is, if I'd been mad, I couldn't have left. When, when, I, when I came back to the Lord in my mid-twenties, the church that I came back to the Lord, it, well, actually, the truth of the matter is, I was just, for the first year, I was just sailing above the clouds. It didn't matter. I could have gone to church anywhere, and anything could have happened, and I'd have gone, thank you, Jesus. But, uh, you know, after, after a while, it was, you know, I kind of began to notice some things that really, really troubled me, and I hit a period there where I was just kind of like, you know, and... Uh, well, God, you know, I need to, uh, this, is, this, this is wrong, and that's wrong, and that shouldn't be done, and I just need to go somewhere else. And God said, you can't, not till you get your attitude right, because all you'll do is take that attitude somewhere else. Ooh, ooh. And so he finally got my attitude right, and you know, it's where I was willing to stay, and then he moved me. Uh, you know, that's. That, that, that can be how that happens as well. But make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You haven't been called to correct every wrong in the world. And you haven't been called to correct every wrong in the church. You haven't been called to correct what's wrong with the people that you deal with. You've been called to seek peace and pursue it. Unfortunately, the world rarely sees this, these things, when it looks at the church. And I'm not just talking about the, the institution as a whole. I'm talking about individual believers. The Patient is not usually uh, uh, an adjective. That is correct, right? Uh, patient person. It's not usually an adjective that the world attaches to Christians. Gentle, humble, Often not an adjective that's attached there. But it should be. Because that, that's how to live as Christ. But there's more. Jesus also said oh, over in John 7, 18. When you're, when you're uh, living for someone else's honor. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain approval. Their personal glory. But whoever seeks the glory of the one who sent him. Is a man who's of truth. There's nothing false about him. We have to change our way of thinking. I'm not here to achieve personal glory. If it comes, it comes. Okay, that's, that's totally up to God. But I'm not to seek it. I'm here to reveal someone else. John the Baptist at the end of his ministry, uh, or as it was getting close to the end of his ministry, uh, his disciples came to him and went, Master, that guy you baptized on the other side of the Jordan, that, that, uh, that Nazarene, you know, people are leaving your church and they're going to his. And John went, you don't get it. 
I've got to decrease. He's got to increase. Someday, all of our grow, 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 go, 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 make it bigger, make it happen, philosophy is going to amount to nothing. Because Paul says over in, over in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that there will come a day when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we'll bring our works there. And it says, if anyone builds on this foundation, the foundation of Christ, using gold and silver and costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because that day will bring it to light. It'll be revealed with fire. The fire will test the quality of the person's work. Let me tell you what gold and silver and costly stones are. Gold and silver and costly stones are humility, patience, bearing with one another in love. Wood, hay, and stubble is what we're sitting in. Wood, hay, and stubble are how many, how many did you have in church this morning? You know? Praise God. My mother used to quote a little proverb. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for God will last. And since it will soon be passed, let's move on to the third point. To die is gain. If to live is Christ and to die is gain, what incredible Gain this must be, this gain. Some people don't want to hear about the sweet by and by. You know, what have you done for me lately? Tell me what's, what's happening right now. What, what do I get out of it right now? But the sweet by and by is really important. If, if, there, if it doesn't exist, there's no justice. If, if it doesn't exist, there's, there's, there's no meaning. I, I, I mean, seriously, if I, if I didn't believe in, in, the, in the sweet, if I didn't believe that there's a God who's going to sort this all out, then I would be totally distraught. I mean, who, who else is going to, who's going to sort it out? Who's going to make it right? Congress? Some, some, some leader? No. There's got to be this land that is fairer than day. There's a land that is fairer than day. And by faith we can see it afar. Oh, the Father waits over the way to prepare for us a dwelling place there in the sweet by and by we shall meet on that beautiful shore in the sweet by and by we shall meet on that beautiful shore once more 
in the sweet by and by we shall meet on that beautiful shore in the sweet by and by we shall meet on that beautiful shore eternal life doesn't start when we die starts when we come to Christ and it goes in both directions it's already started and therefore the believer does not fear death because we have already passed over from death into life to eternal life but there's even more because when we get there we do expect to hear well done good and faithful servant you've been faithful over a few things you've been faithful over a few things kurt yeah and faithful over a few things connie yeah but come i'm going to give you charge over a lot of stuff in fact come and share your master's happiness what happened to my okay we don't need it we saw it come and share your master's happiness come and and who's the master the lord god almighty king of kings and lord of lords he who dwells in eternal light he who is light the one from whom every good and perfect gift descends with whom there is no shadow of turning in his presence is the fullness of joy no wonder paul would say to die is gain. I don't really know what's on the other side. I, I, I don't know what is metaphor and what is literal. I hope it's all metaphor. I hope it's all metaphor for stuff that we can't possibly imagine and can't possibly be put into any kind of literal words. But I do know that to die is gain, but to live is Christ. And it is my deep desire, and my hope is eagerly, that I would not be put away to shame at all. But that with perfect boldness, just as I've been trying to do, so is honor. So his honor, so his honor may be seen in my body. So his honor may be seen if I live or if I die. I might even have to die. So his honor may be seen in me. You stand with me. Those who are going to pray with people, come forward. <clears throat> if you're here this morning, I know one thing about you. 
besides the fact that you're here this morning. I know that you live in a fallen world. And bad stuff happens in a fallen world. But there's a good, good father. And he tells us to cast all of our cares on him because he cares for us. And so if you, got, if you came in carrying something, if you got something, uh, come, and, come and be prayed for and, and leave it.